All right. Let's pray. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Let's start with prayer. Heavenly Father. You were good? Everything's good? All right. Heavenly Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for your love, your grace. Father, thank you for bringing my friends here to just talk, Father. Talk about you. Talk about ministry. I pray, Father, that you would use this time, Father, that we can fellowship. Father, that we can learn from one another, Father. And I pray, Father, that you would use this to teach other people, Lord God, that people can glean off of this conversation, Lord. We love you. We praise you. We thank you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Redeem Podcast Episode Seven. Welcome, Scott Salamat and Mike Sanchez. I, kind of the co-host. Mike, yeah, I think nice I'm co-hosting you. today. Yeah, I'm not. Yeah. Resident, Scott is a resident host. <laughs> I am the infamous Mikey Sanchez. How you been, Scott? Good, man. Real good. It's good to see you guys. I know it's been a while, dude. We're coming to the end of this COVID thing, and I'm praying that hopefully things will go back to normal. Yeah, we can get out of this house and get into your church and studio or yeah. garage or whatever <laughs> for real and yeah. a lot of things are starting to open up finally again like yes i right. went we went to the gym just this past monday and i've been sore for days because mm. <laughs> you've been chilling all I this know. time i got uh i i went completely cold turkey on the gym you're crazy and went completely like full-blown foodie like you went just, foodie? Yeah. How many, how many pounds did you pick up during this? Uh, I actually, believe it or not, I lost weight, dude, what when I did heck? that. How's yeah. That I bought, I lost muscle. Uh, so I lost, and uh, gained yeah. a little bit of, you know. Yeah. But, but your muscle was heavier. Yeah. <laughs> wow. So you that's got amazing. lighter and like a <laughs> And chubbier. Yeah. <laughs> that's so funny. I literally picked up everything. Like, Oof. so never. So my gym closed down, but I found another one that was open and some, it was very cool. Really? Yes. And I was able to keep going. And are we, are we name dropping? No, we're open? not. I'm not going to get in trouble. Not a sponsor. <laughs> and uh, yeah, and they, uh, you know, it was cool. It was just a, it was a small operation, but a mm. pretty nice gym. And so That's I was able to cool. do that. And then the ocean never closed. So yeah. wow. I still got to go mm. surfing a lot, you know. So yeah, hanging out on the beach closed, but for surfers early in the morning. I'll they, tell you what, it was cool to see the parking lots empty. Mm. It didn't empty out some of the, uh, some of the breaks, but right. it was still super fun. Wow. It was really cool. That those are going cool to be times that I'll always remember. Remember during the COVID and no one was here? It was so awesome. We got some good days. Yeah. I'm, I'm kind of curious if, if that could lead right into mm-hmm. a question. Uh, um, yes. I know. No, no I don't but, eat sand. No. No. <laughs> in the sandwich. No. Uh, did, do, you feel, do you feel like um, in that time that, that ministry was shut down for a lot of other people, is there an avenue of ministry that you feel like was elevated for you? Or? Absolutely. Um, well, you know, it's funny. I was just talking to somebody about the smaller church. Like, you know, we, we know guys like like this church. This church is mm-hmm. small. Right. It's a home church for now. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know guys are operating out of schools and community centers mm-hmm. that they're, they're not going to start up for a very long time. Yeah. So their churches are basically either in their houses or mainly online. Mm-hmm. So what it did for us, and not that I'm like anti-social media, because if it was, I wouldn't be here right now, mm-hmm. but I think it opened, um, it opened up some opportunities that we really didn't necessarily have to explore mm-hmm. on the social media aspect. For instance, you know, you know Instagram and, and, and Instagram Live, or Instagram and Facebook Live mm-hmm. and all those things, we use them on a limited basis, but now we rely on them a lot heavier. Mm-hmm. And, and to be honest with you, our listen, listening audience has gotten a lot bigger mm. and a lot more influence. Um, I've got a lot more, um, a lot of young people, but a lot of, uh, a lot of older people are listening too. Like I, I was at a grocery store the other day and uh, 
I didn't have my mask on because I hate them. And so I was in the grocery shop and, and somebody's like, Scott, and I turn around. And it's, a, it's a friend of mine and my, my, my family's. And, and she's like, me and my husband, because uh, they have a teenager mm. that listens to the, to the Monday night. And they're like, me and my husband are getting so blessed by your studies. Mm. I'm like, you guys listen to it? Like, mm. really? Like, you guys really? Like, yeah, you're going through the book of Revelation. And we were just talking about that. And I was like, awesome. Uh, so that kind of blew me away that like the kids start listening. Dude, I, I don't know if I tell you this, but I have mm. a sister. I met my, I, I, I think I told you this a while ago. So ancestry.com. We just springboarded no, into a whole nother wait, that's realm. That's fine. Right. Let's on. go. Welcome to the Twilight Zone. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, no, so ancestry or whatever you want to call mm. it. One of those. So shout so out my, to the Mormons. Yeah, yeah. Shout out to the Mormons. <laughs> Thanks a lot, buddy. Actually, no, my, mine was, um, mine wasn't the Mormon one, but I'm sure they're all tied yeah, in together. Right. They're like a yeah. global conglomerate. Of yeah. Souls. They, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so my mother-in-law bought me this thing for ancestry.com. Mm. And, you know, you, you do the thing, you fill it out, you spit in the cup or whatever. Yeah. And you don't think much about it. And then you get a thing back in a couple of weeks saying, hey, welcome aboard. You, you sign on. And all of a sudden, they start sending you these updates of all these links of people that are... Dude, I found cousins. I found second cousins of mine in Oklahoma. And they're from my uncle, one of my uncles. I found some very, like, first cousins and second cousins in the Bay Area, which is where I grew up. Okay, no, no big deal. I knew about some of those. But I also knew that my father, which, you know, I don't want to drop names, but my father was a bit of a... He was an idiot. Basically. <laughs> <laughs> he, he basically, you know, he was a sperm donor to many different people. Right. And through him, I had multiple siblings out there that I never knew about. My wow. mom told me about him. I met him once, long story short. And then he tells me, the, 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 before I even see his face, he, he starts off a conversation with a complete stranger who claims to be his son on the phone saying, man, you got to meet your sister, man. She's gorgeous. Whoa. Who says that about Who their says daughter? That? Who what says that freak about their daughter to their son? Absolute freak show. I'm like, you're telling me about your daughter, my sister, and you're telling me that she's beautiful. He's like, yeah, man, this and that. And then he starts telling me how hot my mom was. Now I want to reach through the phone and strangle the That's guy. That's got to be... Oh, it was weird. It was weird. Anyway, long story short, and again, I'm just taking all this in because I'd never met the guy, mm -hmm. blah, blah, blah. Long story short, he tells me this. I poke it in the back of my head. It goes away for years. And then um, in December of this last year, the latter end of December, this, uh, this that would have been 2019? Yeah. Yeah, 2019. Mm -hmm. So I, you know, people send cards to the church addressed to us all the time, and we get lots of like um, advertisements that look like actual Christmas cards so that you'll open them up. I got you. And yeah. so the writing is actually printing that looks yeah, like But writing. it's like phony, yeah, fake. Yeah, so they even, like, yeah. oh, got another one. They got and, like a coffee mug still on for, it. For, for guys at the church, it's like, oh, we want you to come to our retreat center mm. or come and join this. Yeah, they join. know what bait they're yeah, throwing Yeah, they know how to throw it out, yeah. you know. So I saw it and it was so funny. I was getting ready to throw it out, but I stuck it with my other mail and put it on a stack and I put it on my desk and it sat there for two days because mm. it was over the weekend. Mm. So I come in on a Sunday for church service and I look down at it and I just look at it and it says, you know, Hayward, California, which is up in the Bay Area. I'm mm. like, oh, that's weird. And then I'm noticing that's handwritten. That's not a stamp. Then I open it up. I kept the cards at my house and I was blown away. It was like one of those gut punch moments where, mm. hey, uh, Pastor Scott, you don't know me, but my name is so-and-so and blah, 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 blah. And you might know me through. And she drops my father's biological father's name. Wow. And then she says, I'm your sister. I'm like, what? What? Hmm. And she left too many, too many details to, to deny it. Right. 
And she leaves the phone number if you ever want to contact me. She's wow. a Christian. She's been listening no, to no my way. she was listening to my study. No. Because she, she once she found out, she went searched. She went searched yeah. me up and she did it all up. She went to Facebook, this and that. And she found me and she found out what church I was from. And no she started way. listening to the studies. That's she wild. has a she has a teenage son that she was getting to listen to the study. So her name is Connie Iglesias. She's married. She lives up in the um really nice area in the Bay Area. She has three kids. That's whoa. And so she's supposed to come down. She was supposed to come down. The COVID hit, and that's been postponed. Right. So her husband was a former MLB baseball player. No Yeah, way. he played for the Astros and the Red Sox. And uh, I looked him up. Sure enough, he was. And he runs a um, like uh, baseball camp for kids that are like you know level one players that are going to go on to baseball camps and everything and he does this and so he yeah we're gonna meet we're gonna meet soon how but, far apart in age uh yeah. she is roughly um she's 45 so she's you know she's quite a bit younger than me I'm almost 10 years younger than me wow you're 55 years no old? i'm 53 but yeah she's well she's 45 so whatever that is this eight, guy right <laughs> <laughs> yeah so whatever i think people are looking out are like mikey's mikey's the oldest scott right <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> so I got a really good uh, good compliment the other day. He goes, Scott, you look good for 36 and all. Thank you. Wow. <laughs> I was going to leave it at that. Oh, praise uh, God. I'm people all, hey. were telling me, like, hey, you look good for 45, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, here, let me put my teeth back in. <laughs> anyway, so I got a sister, and she's a believer, and I was so stoked. Come to find out she knew my – I also have a brother and another sister. Mm. So they, one of them lives up in uh, Seattle, and the other one lives up somewhere in the Bay Area too. And I got a hold of me a cousin, uh, one of my cousins got a hold of me, and he was, it was crazy. Anyway, mm -hmm. so that's, that's that was interesting. Yeah, was it's interesting. Thing. I yeah. mean, I know, I know, I know. You yeah, know, me and you are real tight. Yeah, uh, I don't know if people don't really know that, but we, me and you have conversation. When, yeah. when we do, it's like, but that that that's crazy. That's crazy, bro. To, to think that I've had a sister this whole time and never knew. My mom just found out maybe six years ago that you weren't she her had, son. <laughs> <laughs> that she had a sister and a brother. Oh and, no! And they're like in their sixties now. And then, but she's also a believer. Oh. And then there was just some tension. I think and like finding out like oh my gosh like this whole time like we've been here you yeah know, and we had no idea. Wow. So but, was it on your dad's side or your mom's side? My mom's side. Yeah. So was her dad or her mother? It was her. Or his mother? Her father was my mom's father as well. Wow. Yeah. wow. And how did... So but, but, but things are... I have been blessed now. Like God has really used that. So is this before he met your grandma or... Let's, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's like me. That's like me. I don't want to throw pops under the bus or nothing, yeah. but I'm sure I got Vietnamese. Well, that's bro. amazing. <laughs> that's pretty remarkable. Anyway, how about them oh, Dodgers? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. The Stork dropped it off, Scott. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there, but there's been a lot, a lot of changes, I think, just with, with this yeah. whole season. The last, well, how long has it been? Like three months now? Seems like three years. It I don't seems know. like forever. Mm -hmm. You seems... can't shut down California for three it's... months and expect people to be normal. No, that's the thing is I'm starting to see uh, almost obscure behavior from some people that have been deprived from their social like. Yeah, you actually, know? I dig that part. I can't think about it, and we talked about this. I've talked about this before. Like, whenever these things happen globally, um, it, this wasn't like a 9/11, which was like it happened to the United States from another nation mm. it didn't affect the whole world right. this affected quote unquote the whole world 
Yeah. Right. The whole world was in the same boat. Yes. Even mm -hmm. further yes. than just that we were all affected. Right. By it, but yes. And so, and literally, like I was talking about somebody about it the other day, he took away everyone's jobs. He took away their financial, some of their finances went through the, the, the mm. you know, the retirements. He took away their recreation, some of their gods, their sports. Mm -hmm. All that was left is electronic communication, mm -hmm. which in itself could be a bad thing. But what he did through it, what I think, and, and I, was, I was sharing this with somebody, when God does these things, mm. he's doing it to speak to the church first. He wants to portray something to the church. And then the church, in turn, takes those truths and is supposed to relay it to the world. Mm -hmm. And then right after that, I don't think the church got it, because right after that, what do we get? We get these, uh, these movements that are going on right now, these mm. social unrest and, sure. and, and social things that are going on, back to back. Well, I think you hit something pretty, pretty interesting there that a lot of Christians aren't all on the same page with, and that is who who you contribute to being in charge of these scenarios. God's they're, in charge. He, God, he's, exactly. He's and in charge. I mean, that's that's something all three of us are on the same yeah. page. But there's some people who feel like, oh, Satan, you know, Satan's really destroying the church right now, or Satan's really okay. So, th you you touched on. Did God make the virus and is he... That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is God is aware of all things. Because he's omniscient, he's omnipotent, and he's omnipresent. I like that. He can't not know. Right. But just like God uses evil for good all the time. Absolutely. Like Satan will throw something, God's like, I got a plan already. Yeah. I've already... I'm already 10 moves ahead of you. Right. So he knew this COVID thing was going to happen. He knew these... This uh, social unrest was going to happen, and still through the midst of it, he's going to be glorified. One hundred percent. And and that's why somebody asked me like, "How come you're not tripping?" Like, dude, I don't trip. I don't. Literally, from the day that this thing happened, like I can't even tell you. People came and dropped groceries off at my house in boxes, in bags, mm. envelopes full of cash mm. for my family. I, I guess they thought we lost our jobs at the church and stuff, and the love just came out. People were just like blessing. Mm. Me and my family, like, and your twenty kids, in my twenty five. Yeah. <laughs> they, hey, they were they were literally, dude. I was me and my, me and my wife would look at each other and go, dude, either we're being blessed or God's preparing us for something worse. And so, right. like, we started mm. praying. Right. But I can't even tell you how blown away I was. And mm. then and then and then to come to find out, it's not just me. It was lots of people in the church, not just pastors. I'm talking about people in general. Just, people were just just pouring out. You absolutely. Know? And God has shown me the faithfulness of, of his, his faithfulness through the midst of this, even in personal things that I've been praying for. And I'm, I'm watching, dude, the youth came alive. Mm -hmm. yeah, to go back to the original question, the online presence, what it made these kids do, because we can't meet two and three times a week. Mm -hmm. And my leadership, there's a group of young guys, about 15 or 20 young guys that decided, hey, let's do devotions every day. Uh, those are awesome. The brotherhood, they're called the Brotherhood. Yeah. And they get on there, dude. And some of them are just amazing little teachers. Yeah. Amazing teachers. Some of them are a little raw, but they give it their best. And, sure. and I get blessed by it. You know, my daughter came out. She started doing worship on there a couple of times. And mm. it was just cool, you know, to watch. This is what we do. This is, we raise up these young guys, these leaders. And then you give them an opportunity to do their thing. And yeah. when they do it, you just step back and go, dang, it, it really does work. Right. Like God's working, you know? And so through the midst of that, I'm seeing a lot of growth. And at the same time, there's a lot of uncertainty too, because mm -hmm. I don't know, like when we open up the church full on and we open up the youth, are, are they going to come back? Mm. You know, hmm. have they gone on somewhere else? Have some of them just walked away? I don't know. You know, that's Those are you, huge questions. So. That's uh that's pretty awesome that, you know, because I, I see the same thing in that 
we we create sort of a, a, a little scenario where where we can then sort of see the cream rise and and see which kids you know show potential. But this this scenario removed all of the orchestrating of that and sort of God just takes the orchestration. Mm. And starts to raise up people that you might not have even seen from left field or yeah. just kids that out of nowhere, they're, they're, you know, God's orchestrating the scenario to where the ones that would have been promising had the scenario still been in play the way it normally would have been, you know, you had different sort of different people mm. rise, you know. Yeah. It, I, I wanted to ask you, since with everything that's going on, do you see yourself changing your approach to the youth right now. Yes, absolutely. Okay. And, and I was going to jump on that too. I'm glad you brought it up. It has basically allowed me to step back and give more control to these guys. And I'll tell you why. Because my, my desire has always been, and you know this, when you were in the youth and you too, we talked about this, I've always wanted to do satellite studies in different cities. Like you live in, West, mm. you live in Baum Park. Mm -hmm. Let's, you, you can have five kids in, in your group and, and, but, but logistically, that's nearly impossible because that means you have to jam home from work and you live in another city, jam out there, get all these kids together, and then sit down and do a Bible study once a week. And then on top of that, still they have to come to church twice a week too. Mm. It just wasn't working. And it's something that I wanted to do for a long time and didn't know how to do it. But now with all the social media, I've got 10 or 15 guys that can take two or three kids under their belt. Mm. And I'm not going to say they're going to like you know, they're just kind of going to bring them along, kind of mm -hmm. disciple them a little bit, just kind of pray with them, encourage them, share with them. I'm not telling them they have to be mentors over them or anything because some of those guys aren't to that level yet. Mm -hmm. But now that I, we, we've basically replicated ourselves. Mm -hmm. So now I've got 15 kids, and that's not counting the girls that are doing the same thing. And now I can literally have my satellite little fellowships, mm -hmm. you know, a couple times a week, and then we all come together once a week at the church. Mm -hmm. And so now... They're being ministered to. They have accountability. They've got somebody like that they that. can go to for some answers. And if they don't have the answers, then they come to one of us and we can say, hey, yeah, this is what you're going to do, blah, blah, right. blah. And then we'll all come together. And so then as we're at the youth services on Wednesdays or Sundays, whatever, after the, after the original worship and the announcements, because, okay, guys, all you group leaders break off in your small groups now. And now they know these kids. Mm -hmm. So now they know me. They know the leaders, and right. then they all know we're all the, the head pastor, right. so it's kinda, not, it works out. You know? Right, you're not just getting them once a week and yeah. hoping that they last throughout the week. Exactly. There's more connection. Yeah, there's more of a solid connection that's continuous throughout mm. the week. So That's cool, man. That's something that, that mm. kind of is a good side of this whole thing that went down. So Yeah. Do you see the temperature of the youth uh, changing in this time? I mean, not so much your, your leaders, but the kids. Is it always the same cycle? Because how many years have you been doing youth ministry? Forever. <laughs> Literally four and Because you've seen so many generations. I think like yeah. your your high, mm, first high school kids are already question. having kids that are in high school yeah, kids. Yeah, my <laughs> daughter that's a freshman now. It's crazy. Wow, yeah. that's crazy. So, She's a freshman. Yeah, yeah, Fanny's a freshman. So temperature. Um, spiritual temperature is always the same, hot and cold, mm -hmm. always. What I'm seeing right now, and this is a different generation. You guys know this, the last two, because they're now being fed off of social media mm -hmm. they're getting everything online they're 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 um <laughs> somebody told me that that uh 70 of kids today will be more apt to have a a emotional or um or um uh, what's the word i want to say an emotional or romantic relationship 
online before they actually ever meet wow. in person mm. because that's this is how they communicate mm. and it's and it's actually very superficial and empty and unfulfilling because they don't get to actually spend time with the people mm. so that's one aspect it creates it creates a lot of depression it creates a lot of social and uh, a lot of social in, um, inaction and social problems yeah. uh, emotionally mentally because they don't have the one-on-one. They're uh, developing that yeah, They skill. have no mm. communicative skills mm. whatsoever. And you guys know this because their attention span is about a millisecond. Mm. If it can't be text out in an abbreviated text, an abbreviated, everything's abbreviated. Right. Abbreviated text, abbreviated sex, everything. Mm-hmm. It's all the same. So, um, and, and even, you know, some of the older people are starting to get on this now too. They have no patience for anything. So what's it doing to the, I mean, look at what's going on in our country right now. Mm-hmm. And this is with no schools open right now. Hmm. Work is cut in half. Right. These kids are mostly staying home. How are they getting motivated and how are they getting, hmm. uh, you know, mm-hmm. uh, how are they all coming together? Social media. Someone puts out a message, good or bad. Everybody jumps on the bandwagon and everybody's responding emotionally. Yeah. And so, you know, the temperature of the youth today is as it's always been. You have those that are on fire. You have those that are marginal, and you have those that are stone cold dead. Mm-hmm. The same thing, like you know, Revelation three. So um, the challenge for us, I say us as an we, is to know the state of your flock. We cannot reach everyone, although we will try. Mm-hmm. But the ones that we have, we have to kind of know where they're at, mm-hmm. and that means you know, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna stalk them on social media or anything. I don't need to do that. God always reveals that stuff that needs to be known about that. But I, I am conscious about like I, I, the leaders first and then the leaders to the kids. Right. So a trickle down type of thing. Know where my leaders are at and kind of what they're going through. And then from there, kind of know what the kids are going through. And just watching and listening. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of hopelessness right now. Mm-hmm. I'm not just talking about in the church. I'm just talking about in general. Right. We are in, if you were read the book of Revelation 3... And he's going through the seven churches. We are right in between the faithful church and Laodicea, the mm-hmm. lukewarm. We're right in between. Mm-hmm. If you read what he says, and, and all those seven churches are illustrations or, or different seasons of the different church history. But we are right in that latter part of the faithful church. Mm. He says, you have a little faith. And then it goes straight into the lukewarm church that mm-hmm. is literally dying. Yeah. So I feel like that's where we're at right now. Some of the, I mean, there's a million churches. How many of them are teaching the word? Hmm. Are really teaching. Right. I mean, you didn't start a home study and just start a church because there were so many churches out there that you know, it's like you felt the need, like there was a need and I need to do this. Hmm. And God's called me to this. And I think that's the point right now. It's like there, there can be a million churches, but there aren't a million people preaching the word. Hmm. Very few. And even further, there are less people truly in tune with what God yeah, they would is rather. trying to trying to say or do. Exactly. Yeah. They just want to listen to what the world is saying and mm-hmm. react to that. Like all the things that are going on socially right now, the Bible has answers for every one of them. Mm-hmm. But nobody wants to hear that because right. it's religion, quote unquote. And so, um, you know, people are going to do what seems best to them and, and set the rest of the world on fire, basically. Right. So. And I think even a step further, there are, there are some teaching ministries that are sort of cloaking themselves under that title and mm-hmm. just regurgitating solid teachings that they've accumulated over the years, yeah. right? I mean, all of us can 
listen to some amazing studies that are available mm-hmm. and then regurgitate that stuff. And, and a listener will say, wow, that was a great study, but that's not equivalent to a person in touch with the Lord to mm-hmm. such a degree that God is speaking through that person for that specific audience. Yeah. And I think that that's, you know, the, the big difference there too as well. You know, Raul, we was on stage. We do the uh, side stage after, before and after the service. That's something we started doing with the whole online thing. And, and it's become so popular in the sense of people really dig the interaction that we're going to keep doing it forever. Mm. Like well after we get into our classroom, we're going to keep the online presence mm. going. I think we're going to actually amplify it. We're going to have myself and other people teaching at the same time. But my point being is that Rawl, we were in a meeting before, and he, he went on to talk about, because we were talking about Bible college, we were talking about uh, theologians, and and Rawl's like a simple guy. Mm-hmm. He's like the simple guy. He knows a lot and is re- very well Absolutely. read. Absolutely. But he's very simple. He's always made a good connection yeah, with the regular con- yes. with people. Yeah. He's, very, he's like the normal guy. Absolutely. And... I really, like, he was hitting it hard, and I was listening to everything he said because it came up again um, on the stage after the studies. Like, you have to be able to bring the Word of God and make it applicable to people. Jesus did it. He was really good at taking profound spiritual things and breaking it into small nuggets that people could could digest. Mm -hmm. And so when the Bible says that a shepherd must be diligent to know the state of his flock. He's mm-hmm. talking about emotionally, physically, spiritually. What are they eating? What are they feeding on? What are they what are they overfeeding the, on? The time era they the live in. The time era yeah, they right, live in. Yeah, Socially, right. where are they at? Right. And I think you have to have your hand on the pulse of the Lord first mm-hmm. and then look at the world around you and see how they're responding to it to know how to talk to them and, and, and what they need to hear at this time. That's super so important. So we changed my message from one book going through the Old Testament to go to Revelation mm. because I felt wow. like that's where we're at right now. Mm-hmm. So. And making a decision like that, is that like, it's just a conviction, like, you know what, I, it doesn't matter if I didn't finish this over here, I need to... I'll go back to it, you know, right. we're in 2 Kings and I'll go back to that, um, I'm sorry, 2 Cam- Samuel. We'll go back to that. Mm. I, I've never, I never leave a book off. Right. We've started in Genesis, we're in 2 Samuel. Right. But we went through the entire New Testament and we're in Revelation right now. Gotcha. So, how funny. I started in Revelation. I went to Genesis, didn't finish because COVID. Mm-hmm. And then I went to the life of David. Yeah. So I've been going through all of his studies right now. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. pretty cool. So that's awesome. Wow. Mm. wow. So there's a lot going on. I mean, church. I, 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 I use the word church loosely because one of the things that the Lord showed me and, and I've been sharing with my leaders is that God showed us that the church, because the churches primarily were closed down. Church is not in four walls. It never has been. Mm-hmm. This was this was the same truth that he was trying to to slap the disciples and the Pharisees because they were like the temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord. Mm-hmm. And he says the temple of the Lord are these mm-hmm. you. He was literally saying these you. Mm-hmm. He says because and then he told them he said just just so you know he's all not too many days from now, not a single one of those stones is going to get left. Right. You know they're going to tear down every one of them. And he was giving a prophecy of what was going to happen to the, the temple in Jerusalem, but he was also making an illustration right. that the church is not a building. Mm. And, and Paul talks about it. It's not made with hands. The church is an organism, not an organization, and it's made of people. 
And as long as God's people are filled with God's spirit, in other mm. words, the tabernacle, God with us, tabernacling, living in us, mm. the church is always going to be alive. We don't have to worry about where's the finances coming from, who's going to come, who's not going to come, how big is your church, how small is your church, where are you? It doesn't make a difference. Mm. And you know, I, I just want to say, because I think that's super important coming from you, because you do belong to a big church. And a lot of times people form this idea that, you know, um, a small church is all about uh, not about programs, you know, and big churches are all about programs. But here, you know, Scott, you've been involved in a, a large church for a number of years, and yet your perspective still remains that you you don't rely on on uh, sort of the the advantages of a big church. You rely solely on the Lord to do His work, you know, through mm-hmm. an individual who is solely sold out to the Lord. And so that that's I think that that's dope to hear from from you and the ministry that you're involved in because um, there are a lot of people, small churches in particular, sometimes think, well, this is something we've stumbled across because we know the yeah. importance of it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Or, or, there, or this false idea that big churches don't understand this. I, I, I think that there's benefits to both. Mm-hmm. For the small church, you have the intimacy. You don't, you're not tied down to a lot of the uh, financial uh, obligations that a giant church is. But then a large church has its benefits too. You know, you have a lot more resources mm. and you have a lot more connections and networking and you have stability in the sense that like you've been there so long, you know that there's people are going to continue coming and continue giving. So, but both of them are reliant upon God, both of them, right. you know, whether the small church or the big church, because there's the same dangers for both size churches are the same dangers for individuals. Mm. So um, there's benefits and then there's, you know, there's, uh, there's downsides to both. Right. And, yeah. and I do want to say too, cause I made it sound like, you I mean, no, no, I, 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 I remember also too serving with you and we were there when, when the group was being starved out and it was small mm-hmm. as far as a youth group too. So mm-hmm. I think understanding both of those sides is something that you're no stranger to And did well. we change, did we change our <laughs> modus operandi when it was, you know, a few versus mm-hmm. many? We've always we- just continued. I don't think we, I remember ever jumping through hoops or trying no. to put on a funny hat to adapt to what mm-hmm. was going on. We just kept was, teaching the word and praying yeah. and then God brought the yeah. increase and subtractions and vice versa. And yeah. kudos to you and your team because you guys have been an inspiration and just kind of like I look to Golden Springs as like man like they're still going so hard right now like and they're, they're striving to please the Lord. Mm-hmm. Like I've seen like and I was watching as Dale and Raw would get up every week they do their announcements to let the people know exactly what's going on. Yeah. And when I heard them say like, Hey, we're going to shut it down. I was like, okay, we're going to pull the plug. <laughs> and then that was like, could be discouraging as far as like, okay, like we're not going to get together to meet. So for me, that actually was discouraging where I was like, okay, well God, like, are you, are you telling me stop? Like, yeah. and, and I had to take that to the Lord and the Lord was like reaffirming me. No, keep going, keep teaching the word. But then to see how you guys kept going and kept finding other means to get the word out yeah. for me was super encouraging where I realized, you know what? Okay, God, what do you want me to do? And I think that, that it works both ways. This, this big church for me personally has been such a huge positive influence spiritually where I'm just like, man, like look at how they're serving the Lord still. You know, they're going strong to me. To see all your, your youth that I got to spend some time with yeah, you know most of them. When yeah. they were just knuckleheads where we would have to slap them around. <laughs> yeah. But now they're like teaching the word. I'm like, oh my gosh, like these kids are growing up and they're not even kids anymore. Yeah. They're the leaders. And the crazy thing is some of them I thought like, oh, this guy. Yeah. You know, you have this guy. <laughs> yeah. But some of those, this guys, I'm like, dang, these yep. guys are like all that, all that time just 
pounding yeah. it into him, then finally getting it. You're like, wow. Okay. I thought I thought the same thing, and shame on me. But one one of the you know you ha- you guys have that uh, Instagram where it's got like the little tune that plays, and then it shows mm-hmm. the two Ds for daily yeah. devotional, and then. Yeah. And then they come out, you know, and speak. And one of the faces I saw, I'm like, oh, let's hear what this Jack Knob's got to yeah. say. You know what I mean? And I turn it up and I'm sitting there and I'm like, and, and the, 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 this, was, this is just the Lord working my life. The particular thing that that young man was talking about was ministering to me. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I, the Lord spoke to me so clearly, not just on the topic that he was teaching, but just that that there's only one thing that we really have in the end, and that is, are we still, as individuals, going before God to hear his voice, mm-hmm. you know? And and I, and I was listening to this kid that, it was all lighthearted when I turned on, like, oh, let's see what, you know? And then he's talking, and I'm just like, man, God's using this little dude in my life, mm-hmm. you know? So yeah. super, super cool, dude, um, to see that. And I remember, it's funny, because he talked about, you know, Sal mentions how how some of these kids he remembers having to rebuke them, and and you have like a generation thing going on here because when Scott first met me, <laughs> there was a lot of uh, rebuking that had to take place, and then we we've grown to become. I would say correction. Yeah, <laughs> there wasn't a whole lot of rebuking. Um, it was more like, "Hey, Mike," you're like, "Yeah, I know." That was it. Wasn't you know, yeah. Mm. I had a lot to learn. I still do. I do. All of us did. Yeah. We still do. And, and then and then when I met. Cell, he was he was going to a youth retreat with ill intention. Yeah, and I and I saw it. It was weird. You know how it is when the Lord reveals something. Mm-hmm. To you. I, I he it looked like it looked like if the whole group was black and white, and here was this kid like on in, in like he. That's how much he stood out. Like if he was in color, right? Mm-hmm. And it was not good though. It wasn't like oh something awesome. It yeah. was like this kid's up to something bad, dude. And I, and I was I I almost like couldn't help myself. Gravitated towards him. And I remember talking to him, and, and he he felt it too because he had this look on his face like I can't I can't hide like this guy knows uh-huh. on to me, you know. And now this was, know. by the way, when you left because yeah. you would have caught me for sure. <laughs> <laughs> like, this is during the time when people weren't yeah. catching yeah. him, you know. What I mean? Yeah, and uh, and there so wasn't I, so many observant people. Yeah, yeah, dude. And I I I went over there to do some music, and I saw him, and I was like, and now I, I dude I. I'm helping him out like with things like this mm-hmm. for for his ministry, and I'm like, this is wild, you know. Yep. I, I'm I'm humbled and and blessed to watch people, and you get this all the time. Mm-hmm. I'm sure people that you put your hands on to point them towards the Lord, and then all of a sudden they're just like God using their life. You want to hear know? a good one? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So uh, at one retreat, this is a few years ago. This one particular kid, he's a pastor's kid. He shows up, and we go to a retreat, and he blows up a toilet that had just been. Literally, you remember that one? Do you remember yeah, that? I do. So he blows up this. He blows now, up wait, a toilet. Are we talking about blowing up a toilet? Yeah, or he talking put, he about put like a, he put like an explosive device in a oh. toilet that had just been built. That hadn't even been open for a week yet. The the park ranger was telling us how beautiful the new facility is. Oh my! This gosh. guy goes in there and blows the seat right off the toilet, and almost got us kicked out of this this retreat place or this camp the night we got there. And so I was. Uh, I was mad. I was like, do this guy. And I was trying to to shield him from, you know, the getting busted. The authorities. <laughs> and it turned around and backfired on me because I had a bunch of my leaders calling me Aiken because I was hiding him in his tent, you know, kind of thing. <laughs> and to this day, whatever. Anyway, so the kid ends up getting sent home, right? Mm-hmm. Well, and then he ends up being out in the mission field many times. Like we run into him out in Columbia. 
And, and then he, he ends j- up being on this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> was he on he this did, podcast? Yes, okay, good. So I ain't going to give and, names. And but. it was about the, one of the best episodes. <laughs> okay, I've so had, great. Dude. So, dude, and the guy just comes back from Bolivia on a boat. Yeah. Uh, working for Samaritan's Purse. Mm. And, and he came back the other day and I was watching him. I'm like, dude, this guy. He, th- he was this guy. He was sitting back. I'm like, oh my gosh. And he's, he's my buddy's son. I'm like, yeah. I'm going to kill this kid. And he ends up being one of the coolest cats now and just loves the Lord and sold out with, to yeah. ministry. With a heart for yeah, the Lord. I mean, like such a. And I so know. those kind of things, it's like you just never give up. You know, Shout you just, out Chachi. I don't yeah. care. Yeah. Chachi, Chachi Martinez. Get you, out there, baby. Shout yeah. out, baby. Man. So it's really cool. Does that um, keep you. No, it's the Lord that keeps you going. But does that not help you? Like all this years of just pouring in, you're thinking like, man, is it having effect? And then you see something, a guy like that. Does that happen to you in your life a lot? Yeah. It, you know what it confirms to me? Hmm. I'm saved. Amen. Because <laughs> sometimes I doubt it. Like, hmm. I might just waste my time hmm. and then hmm. you'll get like, you'll get a chot, you'll get a nibs, you'll yeah. get somebody like you guys. And I'll be just like, all right, cool, Lord. I did something right in my life. Hmm. You know, like I'm doing it, you know, hmm. I, if it's one, most person, most people in their life could not point to one person that they got to pour into. Mm. And I've been blessed to be able to, to, to the benefit and the blessing of mm. being able to watch the Lord raise up lots of young people, yeah. right. lots of people in general. Um, like I said, uh, some of them are not always good mm. and some of them are amazing. But uh, just staying, I, you know what, one of the things I always try to do, and this is, a, it's a hard thing to, to balance. I always want to have an open door in the lives that I've been able to minister and vice mm. versa. In like years that. down the line. That they could say, yeah, you know, when I was younger, I, I spoke to Scott and I always had a good rapport with him. And like, no matter what happens, no matter how far they go, no matter what, I want them to be able to be like, dude, I'm, I'm going to call him up. Mm. I had that happen today. You know, um, I want them to be able to, to, to say, hey, man, like, pray for me or like, encourage me in this or like, let me encourage you, mm. you know, whatever. But I always want to just keep that open line of communication. I've seen Rawl do that throughout mm. the years. He's always, you know, try to keep an open communication with people um, to be able to effectively minister to them. So let me ask you, are you going to, no, no. Okay. Please. Yeah. I, would, I wanted, since we're on that topic, who was that for you and what was going on when you first started like jumping in the ministry? Cause I don't know too much about your intro in the ministry. Like how long, how long have you been serving in ministry? I was only eight months old in the Lord. Mm. I literally was like, it's a long story, but, um, I had been saved about eight months, eight to nine months, going to church, reading my Bible, you know, and then, um, you know, you know the story. I was walking through the foyer and, you know, and Raul kind of saw me running around. I was helping out with junior high. I had a couple of guys that said, hey, there's this young guy. He, you know, he's on fire. And so they stuck me with these junior high kids, a bunch of little gangbangers and stuff. So I was doing that on my time off, you know, um, and then I just the Lord just kind of put a burden on my heart for it. And I was walking through the foyer and Raul knew, he didn't know me as a person. He just knew that like I surfed and he, he knew that I hung out with his boys occasionally. Like mm-hmm. he'd see us go, you know, I'd run into him down in San Clemente or whatever. And um, I'd actually been to his house a couple of times, but he was never there. I saw him one time where he came out yelling at us. <laughs> but um, yeah, because we, we were out in the balcony and making a bunch of noise. Like, hey, I got to be up early in the morning to teach you guys get out of here. It was one of those. But I would see Sharon a couple of times, you know. And <laughs> so long story short, um, he just walks up to me and says, hey, what's your vision? You know, mm-hmm. you're talking about somebody just came out of the church. I'm all 2020. Right. <laughs> yeah, so right. I don't need glasses, you know. And he's like, no, what's your vision? I'm all, he's speaking spiritual jargon. Mm-hmm. 
I don't know what that means, vision. He's like, what do you want to see God do? He rewarded him. I'm like, oh, oh, yeah, yeah. I want to, dude, I want to see young people get saved. Well, how would you do that? Dude, teach him about Jesus' love. Just the love of Jesus, man. That gets people saved. And he's just smiling. He's just watching me. He's smiling. And I'm hmm. like, this guy's weird. You know, it's a trip. <laughs> and he's like, that's neat, man. You keep praying him all. Okay, cool, hmm. you know. A week later, he does the same thing, asks me the same question. Like, I already told you, you know. Like, hey, pray about coming on staff. All right, cool, yeah. I didn't know what staff was. I would just happen to be in between jobs at that time because the Lord, I was going to be a firefighter and be a paramedic. And my dad was a, a firefighter at the time. And I, I was already going through my schooling, my education. I was working at uh, Arkmon at the time, which is Arcadia Monrovia. Um, it was a um, paramedic company out, out there. And I just didn't feel like that's where, I hate using the word feel. I just didn't really, I wasn't inspired. Mm. I love the job, love the action. But it just wasn't like what my soul longed for. How old are you? Does that make sense? Uh, 22, 22, okay. 23 at the time. And I just was not feeling it. And I'd already been through a lot of the junk in the world at the time. And I'd kind of come to the end of that whole ride. And I remember um, one particular night, um, lady coded. Coded means basically she died. She had no heart rate, um, no pulse, very weak threaded pulse, if anything. And she was in a retirement home and we got called, we called it Gomer call because basically we'd pick up these people that were basically already close to death anyway mm -hmm. and then resuscitate them and then stabilize them to get them to the hospital. It was, it was, it was a boring call. Like you don't, nobody looks forward to those calls because you go in there and half the time they've messed themselves or they're, you know, mm -hmm. they're, they're out of it. It's just, you know, it's yeah. not an exciting call. They're people. But you get the way I'm talking about it. Like I'd gotten so callous to the point of like wow. it's a person. I, don't, I was all thinking I that, and I was like, it's wow, like, yeah, that's how I, that's how it gets. You know, like oh, the exciting call, code three fire. You know, it's like a car accident. You're excited you get about some craziness, yeah, some and then craziness you're dead about people losing their yeah, lives. And yeah, and so that's what happens. So we brought her back to life. Like we got her heart rate on, and she her breathing was stable. And we got her to the hospital. And then at the end of every night, you fill out your reports of you know what you do. And I was filling out my report. It was like probably maybe five, six in the morning, getting ready to end my shift. And one of the other guys from my team comes in the next morning. And he said, how was it? Was it pretty dead last night? Because traditionally it was. And I'm all, nah, man, you know, we had a code. And, and, and we brought her out. And she, and she lived. And she's alive. And we brought her back to life. And, and right then God spoke to me. He's like, oh, did you? Mm. Like, did you bring her back wow. to life? He's like, she's 70-something years old. You know, she's going to die eventually. And then he just kind of gave me one of those those peter moments like follow me and you'll give you'll bring people into eternal life real life mm -hmm. like real life and i'm like it was it was like night and day like it mm -hmm. was like and then that same day or the same because i had two jobs at the time i started my other job at 10 so i went home got a couple hours of sleep went to my other job and i remember um i was just taken by what he had said to me and i was reading my bible on my lunch and uh, I just remember crying out to God. I'm like, God, like, if you, if you, like, fill me, like, use me any way you want. Just tell me what you want me to do. And as I'm praying, he speaks to me through a vision that I had many, 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 many years ago. And he tells me, teach my children. Teach my children. I'm like, what does that even mean? Hmm. I'm like, okay. And after that, I quit my job. So I was in between jobs, getting back to Raw's conversation. So I was in between. I had quit my job when he told me that. 
And so I was actually in between jobs at that moment. And so when he says, pray about coming on staff, I didn't know what that meant. What is staff? I'm all, I even asked him, like, what is that, like, working here? He's like, yeah, yeah, work here. I'm all, oh, okay, cool, yeah. I go, what do you do at a church? You know, like, I, you know, I'm not one of them praying holy mm-hmm. priests. I'm thinking priest. Yeah, you mm-hmm. got the Catholic. I, <laughs> yeah, I've had the same thing. I don't yeah. want to be a priest, dude. I'm a surfer. I you mean, just picture you in, like, this little yeah. box, and you come out with, <laughs> yeah, like, and, and, and incense. I don't really dig the little collar thing. It's kind of gay. <laughs> whatever, so. so anyway, so long story short, a week goes by, and I, just, I prayed about it one time, one time. Mm. Lord, do you want me to work? I'll, I'll do it. If you want me to do it, I'll do it, Lord, you know? But you have to come up to have him, you know, you have to have him ask me again. Hmm. And sure enough, on the next, hey, did you pray about it? Yeah, I did. Because I, I did. He's like, okay, you start today, right there. Wow. And it's been that way ever since, back and Dang. forth. So started on a Sunday. Who, who starts on a Sunday? And uh, the, the first rest, day of the week. The first day, yeah. <laughs> that was the beginning. Oh, that was the beginning. So, yeah, it was kind of interesting. I've been doing that for years now. Now I, I've known you um, for a lo- most of my Christianity. You mm-hmm. met me when I first got saved, and I've, I've definitely earlier you were talking about the relationships that you keep. Um, that you saw Raul do that, and um, with me, it's something that's kind of interesting. Is that I, I had more of a disconnect um, until I reached out to you after I wasn't serving there i felt not that i was disconnected but that i was deep more deeply connected and i remember one of the early conversations i had with you after i was out of serving in in calvary chapel golden springs was just like an honest like an unplugged honest conversation where i talked a little bit about my own doubts or my own you know depressions bouts with depression and i remember you you, the way that you ministered to me was it caught me off guard. You weren't like, well, when you're dealing with depression, you know, you gotta, you gotta remember this. Remember that you, you more just like related to me. And I was shocked to hear, cause earlier he asked about, you know, the, the driving force of when you see kids doing good and you see that you're really affecting people. But you said something when you were talking about that, you said that when you're dealing with, man, am I even, am I even doing anything? Then those things happen and you're, and you're then, reminded of what God's doing. And I want to talk a little bit about those in-between moments where, where where you do feel those things, even as a pastor, as a man of God, where mm-hmm. it's like, it's like, man, like, cause uh, no matter how much you know and are teaching and leading people in the right direction, you still are subject to the weights of this world. And, and Jesus wept in moments of his life and us in ministry and those of us who are called to the Lord, we're certainly no strangers to the the, the dark side of the coin, not not evil, but just in our humanity. Um, is that something that you still deal with? Or yeah. That- yeah, I was just sharing with somebody with that yesterday. I had a girl come up. I hadn't seen her in about two years. Mm. And she has very distinct face. She has these really giant eyes. And she was in the youth ministry for a couple of years. Then she just, just, they moved. But when she came in and the way she looked at me was like, she looked at me in a way like, oh my gosh, there he is. Like, cause she knows me and I would always talk to her. And I ran into her yesterday. It's the first time I'd seen her in at least two years. And she's I'm like, where you been? She's like, we moved. I'm all, okay. Well, it's good to see you here. Walked away. At the end of the service, she came up, she said, can you pray for me? And it was the exact same thing that you said. I have a lot of doubts. I'm being, you know, a lot of condemnation and this and that. And, and I go, she, I'm all, you're reading your word? And she's like, yeah. And you're praying? She's yeah. I'm all, you're, so you're in fellowship with God? She's yeah. I'm all, so everything else doesn't matter. Hmm. 
you know, and, and I deal personally with a lot of condemnation from my past. Um, I do, I just, I feel like I don't measure up to a lot of things. And, you know, I have a wonderful family, a wonderful wife, five kids, mm. uh, uh, ministry, but uh, you know, I just, I'm humbled all the time because I'm like, Lord, who am I, you know? Mm. And, and I'm not being self-deprecating. I'm right. being serious. Like I don't, like the realization of the realization of not only just the weight and the responsibility, but just like, I don't feel worthy Mm. at Mm. all to even be called a servant of the Lord or, or, or a pastor or a teacher, whatever you want to label, you want to put on it. I, uh, like, I forgot who it was, was David said, I, you know, I'd just be happy to be a gatekeeper. You Mm. know, I'd be, I started out as gatekeeper, still a gatekeeper, but, um, and, and I, I have to keep that perspective all the time because when you're not working in a church like you guys, you're still doing it. Mm. That's what blew me away about these kids. Like the church is closed down and these guys are doing it. They're doing ministry. They're, they're reaching out on Zoom and Instagram and they're doing ministry. They're ministering to each other and they're praying for another. Hey, I know that you're struggling. And they're, and they're being led by God through the spirit to prepare these devotions to feed each other because they know they're not going to go to church. They have to feed each other. And so when I saw that, I was like, God, that's it. That's exactly where this is. They've been trained and taught. And cause that's how I've been trained and taught. You just do it. If, if, if the building was to fall down tomorrow and it's kind of like a, you know, spider web from the last question is like the church is going to continue cause it's the body of Christ. That living organism is going to keep living and it's not confined to a box. Mm-hmm. And so, um, yeah, it's it's been neat to see that, and going back to your thing, it's like I do struggle with that a lot. I do struggle with a lot of. Um, I think as you get older, you realize you don't have it together as much as you think you do. You just can't. You just can't. You just, especially when I see my kids. You know, I see my kids, and you see some of their inconsistencies, and you go, "Man, how much did they get of that from me?" Hmm. You do. You just can't help but notice that. You're like, "Did they get that from me? Did they inherit that from me?" Like, did they, you know, learn that from watching me or whatever? Hmm. Or, you know, and, 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 I, and I have to preface this by saying you cannot please everybody in the world. You're going you're gonna to stumble people. You're going to be stumbled hmm. by people. You're going to misrepresent God sometimes. Hmm. You're going to go off and say things and, like, you know, uh, you, it's just going to happen because you're not, you're not God. You're, you're human. And so I think the ability to recognize that God is graceful and merciful and the two go hand in hand mm. and recognizing that. And then at the same time, extending that grace and mercy to others. Like for instance, you can't minister to a kid who's broke off because of X, Y, Z that he's gotten himself into and not related to like, remember when you were there? Mm. You can't, if you, mm. if you lose that memory or that, that concept, then why are you even in ministry? Like mm. if you can't minister to people, like you have your repeat offenders. I had one that came in yesterday. This guy has been on this couch, and literally a couch in this counseling room. Where we, he's been in there at least a dozen times. He's messed up on, on drugs, and I was there. And I felt myself getting agitated because he's going on about you know, all of his exploits, and I don't want to hear it. I've been mm. there, done that. And he's telling me what a you know, tough guy he is and this and that because he's got blasted new tattoos and everything. He's a kid. And I'm looking at him, and, and I, half of me wants to say, dude, shut up. I don't care. Like, mm-hmm. I don't care about your stupid life, like what you're, you're, you're doing to get yourself all screwed up. What I care about is what are you going to do to fix it? That's where I felt in my heart. But I held it back, and, and he's crying, his brain's out, and I'm feeling so callous towards him. Mm. 
And then the Lord just slaps me. He's like, remember? And I'm like, yeah, I remember, Lord. That's why I'm sitting here. He's like, is it? Like, is that the motive why you're here? Or is it because you're the first one that answered the phone? Mm. And so I sat there listening to him. And mm. as he begins to cry, like I feel my heart breaking for him. And I just, I lost the whole concept of him being a dummy and just looked at him as like I was looking in the mirror and I mm. just encouraged him and prayed for him and just, you know, tried to lift him up. And so he left. Um, hopefully, hopefully, I won't see him again in that state, mm -hmm. hopefully, prayerfully, for a long time. And 70 times seven, right? Mm -hmm. And um, mm -hmm. that's how God is with us. That's how I want to be towards other people. So Yeah, you know, um, there's a common thread I see in, in your story there where there was a desensitizing that existed for you amongst life back when you were back when God spoke to you and said, I'm calling you to ministry. And then it seems there's this desensitizing that God's still calling you to deny, you know, to mm -hmm. like, no, I won't be some callous person who doesn't care, you know, like, and that's such a beautiful example, dude, like, because that's what happens to us. We, it, unfortunately, I wish experience only came with us being more like Jesus, but it also comes with, when you mix it with humanity, it comes with this callous, right? It comes with this, you know, I've been there, done that, seen it all, seen yeah. a billion things, you know, and, um, I think that's what really blessed when I, you know, not to just circle back too much, but when I talk about that time, I went back to talk to you after I wasn't serving and here, instead of talking to Scott, thinking like, this guy's seen a billion things. He's going to give me a cliche, like, well, bro, you're either not reading or you're not or something that, you know, and uh, instead there was just this like, like, oh, me too, you know, like, or not, not, not like, I'm doubting or anything, but just like just fighting within your own heart and your own mind with struggles, depression, or those kind of things. Don't you, know? don't you guys? I mean, being where you're at right now, you did it at one time. Looked up at like Rawl or Dale or, or Chuck or any of these guys that we look up to and go, "Gosh, these guys are like spiritual giants, mm -hmm. right?" But then if you get to know them, they're human, mm -hmm. and they dealt. With, I mean, like I I was just I was at the gym with a buddy yesterday, and he struggles with some crazy stuff. Like we're talking about. He's a veteran of Afghanistan, twice over. He's a you know police officer. He's, he's seen shootings. I mean, he's crazy. And he's young. He's in his, he's barely in his 30s right mm. now. Cool cat. So we work out at the gym occasionally. We just chop it up, you know. And he has a, he's raw still, super raw. Like he drops, you know, yeah. language here and there. I don't care. That doesn't bother me. Yeah. But it, it's cool because I'm listening to him and, and and I'm just giving him simple answers from the word. He's like, you do? Yeah, yeah. You know, I was listening to your study and then you said this and, mm -hmm. and he's taken from it. He's like picking things out and he's applying it to his life. I'm like, that's what it is. But here's the crazy part. He's been through craziness. Yet in the sense of all that craziness, he finds peace in the Lord and being around mm -hmm. other believers and are not going to judge him because he's, he's shot people, dude. You yeah. know, he's... Mm -hmm. He's seen people blown up and stuff, and and his language shows. <laughs> yeah, he's, dude, he's he's you know he's a cool cat, dude. But mm -hmm. he uh, he suffers mentally, he suffers emotionally, and he suffers physically. Mm -hmm. And um, you know that's that's <laughs> Jesus came to save those people, you know. And 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 I'll be honest with you, uh, if I could throw this out, it don't matter what color they are, it mm -hmm. don't matter what race they are, it don't matter what socioeconomic group they're from. It doesn't matter, you know, it doesn't matter. It's like, you know, one of the things I was sharing with the kid today is that when the Holy Spirit fell upon the church and he began to speak in tongues, who was it that heard him? Medes and Persians and Perthians and all these different races of people and all these nationalities of people 
heard the praises of God in their own language. So mm. what does that tell you? That God is reaching out to everyone, mm. everyone through his spirit. And he didn't be like, oh yeah, and he spoke in this language, this, oh, but that language, he didn't deal with that because he don't like those people. Mm. Like there was no, you know. Yep. The love of God is universal. The, year of, the love of God is international. Mm -hmm. And the love of God is eternal. You, that's, that's good, dude. You know, that there's something that comes to mind right now as you're speaking. Um, and I recall to mind the stories uh, with the movement of Calvary Chapel of how you had a social problem mm -hmm. in the church's eyes. Mm -hmm. um, I wasn't around there at the time we hear about it, though. Yeah, I mean, right, the right. Movement, right, and, and the disconnect and, from the youth of right, the day. And, and, yeah, and yet through not even through Pastor Chuck, through his wife, right. If I remember the story correctly, she was moved with compassion to such a degree that she would give him these statements of the other side. Like she would tell him, like, "Well, but the, but God loves them." Yeah, and and so he was moved with compassion because of those seeds being planted in his mind, being a religious man already, being right. a, a man who already taught, you know, and, and then started through this unrest, through this, this terribleness to many people and, you know, liberation to some people or whatever. There was debates on both sides. And, and to this day, there still may be debates on both sides as to what was really going on in that time. However, God was not on one side or the other in, in, in that he was safe. He was there to save people. He was going to do something that was going to change. I think he's going to do it now. Yeah, that's, he's that's got right. to. I mean, right. why, would he, why would he allow all this craziness that's going on right now with the COVID and the social unrest if he didn't have a plan Okay, for instance, I'll give you an example. Like, say, God is not going to allow Satan to give the world and his people a big black eye right now if he's not planning on doing something at the end of it hmm. to give him another black eye, like to, to, to knock Satan out. So I believe for every one bad thing that, that Satan has planned, God has 100 good things because he's multifaceted. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So through the COVID, what did he taught people that family was important, faith was important, and and that's it. Nothing else matters. Everything else is 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 fodder, so to speak. Mm -hmm. That's what he taught people. If they didn't get that, then they missed the whole lesson. So what does he do? He allows the unrest to happen now. Mm -hmm. Now he's going to say that people are still divided, but it's not an issue of race. It's an issue of of heart. It's heart. It has nothing to do with race. Mm -hmm. They can paint it as a race thing, but it's not. It's not a white, black, green, yellow thing. It's people not understanding that who created all human beings. Mm -hmm. God did. And he loves all. He and he did. loves yeah. them all. Like so I said, the love of God is universal. Mm. I mean, I'm not going to, I'm not going to sit there and quote, you know, uh, Martin Luther King, but, but, but there's one concept that he had was, is that he would not respond violently to the violence. I think this whole thing that happened to this man, this, uh, Mr. Floyd, it sucks. It's terrible. I think the whole world came together in agreement of what happened to this guy was wrong. And like we talked about in the car, somehow that message of like, of what happened to him got hijacked and now it's a divide. It, it's something mm. that brought us all together in unity of, of like, yes, we, we acknowledge this was wrong. And then all of a sudden we're going to micro it to, it has to do with the color of someone's skin. It's like stupid. That's not the issue. Mm. It was hate that did it. And it wasn't hate over color. It was just, it was, is whatever it was. Right. It was wrong. And so now we're in this place now where everyone's taking sides and right. everyone's got a, an opinion. Right. When no one's opinion and no one's side <clears throat> is right or wrong, only God is right. Mm. 
and he knew what was going to happen, just like he did in the 60s, just like he did in the Watts riots, just like he did in the L.A. riots, just like he did during the Trayvon Martin and all these other terrible situations that happened. God is in the midst of these things, but not in the way people think. Like he wants to do something to unify, not to divide. Right. right. And history is repeating itself. I believe that. Because we don't learn from our mistakes. Mm-hmm. That's the only reason why it repeats itself. And the, what the crazy thing too is what I see now is with the youth and how we're, we're being divisive again, like they were with the Vietnam War, mm-hmm. is now, even with at that time, there was a counterculture movement, which was the hippies. Yeah. So what I'm seeing, like all these youth kind of rallying behind social media, this is the new counterculture movement where that they're running to, whether it be social media, uh, the big music festivals like they had Woodstock back yeah. then, which is now prevalent now. Yeah. I'm seeing that all that happened and I get excited, not for those things, but I'm like, okay, God, how do you want to use me? Right. One of the most monumental uh, attempted victories that Satan tried to have is, is at the torture of Jesus at the end of his life, right? Like if you think, you think about the heart behind those Romans that were beating Jesus. That's all Satan's move, Mm -hmm. right? You think of uh, the mockery, you know, you think of the people shouting uh, at Jesus and and all that. And you you imagine Satan cheering. He's just like, yes. And I often, I don't want to say fantasize, but I often just sit there and try to think in my mind, what was that teetering moment that Satan was throwing all of his darts that he stopped and realized, wait, did is that checkmate on me right now? Like, mm-hmm. it, like when Jesus is dying on the cross and he's like, yes, it looks torturous. It looks hideous. It looks disgusting. And then he's looking, he's like, oh no, is that salvation? Like, yeah. is that, you know, and, and to think that, 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 that's what I want to get Christians on board with that sort of, to, that heart praying for, because you're looking at a scenario that Satan is throwing darts. He's using ammunition. He's using everything he's got, you know, hijacking uh, scenarios like, potentially could have been people being brought together and now it's creating divisiveness. He's throwing all these things, but, but what the world is being primed for is a connection with Jesus like no other, Mm -hmm. you know? And I think as Christians, we need to get on, on board with that one heart, one, one mind, you know, because even, even the churches are divided on this stuff, though. That's true. Like, like we feel like we have to say something, right. so we're going to do X, Y, Z. And I look at them and go, you're a fool. Yeah. And how, but how much does that even tie to, I mean, as you're saying that, I'm thinking about the wheat and the chaff, right? And and how, how much potentially maybe was the Lord upset with his church before this happened? Yeah. He's looking at all them. They well, all look the same, grieved. you know? He's definitely grieved. Yeah. I mean, the, the spirit of God is grieved because, okay, let's put it this way. Do you and I have his spirit in us? Yes, absolutely. Okay. Mm-hmm. And the Bible says this, that, that God is not willing that any should perish, but all should come to repentance, right? So if his will and his spirit is grieved at his children, then how much more so should we? Mm-hmm. Now, we are his hands and feet and his mouth on earth, and so therefore we are enabled right now to do something about it. But it's not always taking to the streets and, and making your opinion known. Gosh, that doesn't save me. If I tell you this is wrong, I agree with you. Right. How are we going to change it? Right. The only way to change these quote unquote systemic things, it's not systemic, it's sin. Mm-hmm. Change the hearts of people. There it is. And, right. and you and I can't do that. I can't no. re-educate right. them. I can't, you know, change them philosophically. Right. But the Spirit of God and through the teaching of the Word of God. It re it restructures the way. I mean, dude, I don't even think the same way now that I did when I was younger because 
I have been transformed by the renewing of my mind. So you're saying you're, you're not trying to win an argument for Christ. You're trying to change people's hearts. That's completely different things. I, I, hmm. I want them to come to know truth. And real truth shines light on all the other falsities, mm -hmm. all the other you know, lies that are out there. And there are so many lies. Mm. I mean, there's lies that la layer upon layer of, of stupid lies that are out there in the world today. But my, my point being is there is a solution to this. And some people, well, what is it? How do we stop this? As long as human beings are on the earth, you will always have sin. Mm -hmm. You'll always have war. You'll always have disagreements and divisions, and you will have racism, and you will have hatred. You will have poor. You will have rich. Those things are never going to go away. Mm -hmm. um, people would like to paint a picture of there being a utopian society, and we're going to name mm -hmm. it, you know, whatever. whatever. Yeah. But that's not the only utopian society that's ever going to be is when Jesus comes back. Yep. He clearly says it. When he recreates his kingdom, and he sets his foot upon the earth and recreates all things, then we'll finally have peace. The Prince of Peace will, will establish everything the way it's supposed to be, and everything will be in order the way it was in the very beginning before it got all messed up. Mm. So, you know, to put, a, to put a cork on the bottle, so to speak, it's like we're living in times where everybody's looking around and screaming on, we need to do something, but they're not doing the thing that needs to be done, mm. which is stop looking at everybody else and pointing fingers at the whole rest of the world, but look in the mirror mm. and saying, okay, God, I got to fix my heart. You know, I'm not going to stand there and say, you know, I, I need to fix my heart before God. Right. And then I can view people and deal with people on a different level, period. I, so. I was just having a conversation with Lisette about exactly what you said. It's about the human race right now is trying to create that utopia. And when what we're doing by doing that, even Christians are starting to fall into this line of, mm -hmm. we need to create the perfect America. But what I see is what that is leading to is this utopia of everyone holding hands, singing Kumbaya across the world is leading to exactly what the Antichrist is going to usher yeah. in. One world, everything, yep. yeah. So I, for me, when I see that, because I'll be honest, I sometimes get torn when I start to look at... Uh, the just the heart brokenness that I have over people fighting over uh, whether it be social issues or whatever it is where I start to think well I need to speak on this issue I start yeah. to think that way and then I kind of pray about it before I, I, I send that message out on yeah, Facebook or whatever should. it is and then and God's just like just chill just chill yeah that's for me personally where he's just telling me just chill and then when I start to look at it, I, I start to realize I'm, I think that as Christians, sometimes we're trying to change uh, the flesh world structure when that's not ever going to happen. The world, the, the flesh, the sinful world is going to remain throughout eternity because we're thinking at that point that we become the savior of the world. We're thinking we're the new superheroes. We're thinking we're the Avengers, whatever it is of this society. And the Christians are the only ones who are going to bring salvation but it's Jesus. It's the right. Holy Spirit, exactly what you're point, saying. Dude. So we're, we're robbing the Holy Spirit of what he wants to do. And then I have to sit back and be like, okay, God, what are you really calling me to? And then it, all of a sudden it becomes important to me, the people who he's placed in my life. Yeah. And, and think of this on another level too. So many people feel the same way. You're like, I've got to say something. Mm. And you have celebrities going out there making stupid statements, yeah. giving money to this and that. And all this junk and not a single penny or word or letter has changed anything. Mm. Only the word of God. Yeah. It, it's the only words that have power to transform a human soul so that those things don't happen, 
you know, or they happen less until the Lord comes back. But um, systemic, I hate that word systemic, uh, but, but, but I, I get what, what they're trying to say. But what I see it as, it's, it's, it's not systemic, it's, it's something spiritual. Mm. And, and it started from the beginning of man's inception. And uh, it's going to continue until the Lord comes back. Mm. And then that system of sin will be broken. And then God's system of reign, his, his reign of righteousness will take over. Yeah. And that's what I'm looking forward to. So I don't get caught up in these things right now. I watch them. I'm concerned for them like you. I pray for them. I, I get sad when I see Christians getting pulled into these on the left side and the right side or any side for that matter. Um, and I just kind of look at like, uh, God's in control of these things. And I'm not going to say, well, we'll just kick back and pray, brother. You know, that's not what I'm saying. There is a time to speak. Um, but you have to be led by the spirit and not by your flesh, mm. knowing what to say and when to say and what to do, because there's a lot of people doing stuff, but it's misguided and it's doing nothing. So we need to be spirit led, spirit filled and spirit directed to know what is the right thing and the right time hmm. to do and to say. Period. Yeah. I picture a classroom full of kids and they're all shouting something, you know, but then, you know, the teacher knows like, all right, everybody calm down, everybody quiet. And then she points at, or he points at the individual one person at a time. And I kind of see the church sometimes the same way. They're all, oh, we need to say something. We're the church, you know, everybody's yeah. trying to rise up. But God knows, dude, God, God and God anoints, you know. And even, even just because you're in touch with the Spirit doesn't necessarily mean that you're the one that God's going to call to specific things, you know. We have to stay in tune with the voice of God in our individual lives so that we're responding to what he's orchestrating rather than trying to fix a problem with our own ideas, you mm. know? Yeah, God has not called us to be spiritual justice warriors. He's <laughs> caused us to be eternal kingdom warriors. Mm. And that's 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 where I'm going to keep my perspective, per se. Like wow. Amen. Amen. Man, what are you going to be doing now uh, as things start opening up ministry-wise? Well, uh, I uh, like I said, I'm going to continue. I'm going to expand mm -hmm. on some areas that we hadn't before, in which case um, utilizing more leaders mm -hmm. and getting more content out. And when I mean content, I mean like more guys doing devotions. No, but giving people more an opportunity to serve, to use their gifts, but also letting them raise up other people. Um, I've always wanted to have a youth ministry that was run by solely by the youth, mm -hmm. where my, my, my uh, role is minimal. I can oversee it and administrate it and let these guys just run. And to a point, we have certain aspects of it, but it's never been completely autonomous, and I want it to be more like that so that it will free me up to do some other things that I want to do for, for the ministry, for the Lord. And, and surfing, yeah. Oh, I love surfing. That's, that's <laughs> awesome. I'm going tomorrow, bro. So. Uh, but my point being is, is like I, I, want to, I want to explore other opportunities on the social media things mm. and giving other people, I want to put out content, spiritual content. I want to be, you know, we've talked about, it. I want to do funny stuff. I want to do really tasteful, cool stuff that makes people think like, yeah, that was dope. Like that was like, these guys are Christians, but they put out some spiritual mm. truth in a funny way. And that was amazing. Like, mm -hmm. I like that. And I, I think that we need to be more creative when it comes, if the world can do it and they do it. Okay. The, the, then the church should be able to do it 10 times better, mm. you know? So I like that. That's kind of the direction I'm headed right now. Like, Lord, what more do you want to do with the lot or the little that we're given and the people that you've given me? That's it. Amen. That's my Amen. goal for this year. Well, I think that's a wrap. I want to say, Scott, thank you uh, so much for your time. Thank you for what you're doing. We want to pray for you. 
for the high school kids. Gosh, uh, I think right now it's a crazy time to be alive right now, dude. It is. It, it, we've never experienced anything like this mm-hmm. as a church, as the world, as, as people. So I definitely want to continue to uh, to pray for you. So we'll we'll do that right now. But Scott, I love you, bro. Did I just wanted. That? I thank you so much for blessing for being here with you coming guys on the yeah, show. This, this has been a good a good day. Yes. Yeah. So let's pray. Cool. Heavenly Father, thank you for my my friend Scott, Lord God, my youth pastor Scott. I pray that you would just bless him, Father. Give him, Father, wisdom, discernment, Lord God, in this season, Father. It's a new season. I pray that you would continue to equip him, bring alongside, Father, men and women, Father, who are going to raise up his arms as he raises up Pastor Rawls' arms. I pray, Father, that you would continue to put a a hedge of protection around the youth, Father. We pray, Father, that you would, Lord God, just stop depression, anxiety, Father, anyone who's uh, cutting, Lord God, just getting wrapped up into to lust. I pray, Father, that you would use Scott and his leaders, Father, to pour light into these kids, Lord God, to love on them, Father, to teach them, Father, just the simplicity of, of grace and of salvation, Lord God. I pray, Father, you would continue to bless Scott. Uh, give him, Lord God, just more joy, Father, that, than he's ever experienced in ministry, Father. Continue to Encourage him, Lord God, to just take condemnation out of his life, Lord God, out of his household, Father, and just fill it, Lord God, with more of your peace, your grace, Lord God. Continue to bless him and his wife, Lord God. May they continue to raise their children, Father, to be soldiers for you. And Father, we thank you, Lord God, for the the impact that Scott has had in our lives, Father. May you just continue to bless him, Lord God, bless his leaders. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Thanks, guys. Thanks for having fun. Thank you. Good time. Cool.